Fantastic. You can take a seat. You're looking good. Anyone bust a kneecap out then? Getting down. My pants have split. <laughs> you doing well this morning? Come on. Why don't you turn to the person next to you and just rating out of five, if five being the highest, one being the lowest, how good looking they are. I'm seeing some ones around the place. Let's pray for some miracles in here. <laughs> I love it. Well, this morning, I'm excited to continue our series, the Grow series, and it's completing today. We've been doing a series talking about different elements of our growth, and we really believe that God has called every one of us to grow, to grow in our faith, to grow in our relationships, to grow in our understanding of Him, that we wouldn't just be comfortable and settled, but we would understand that we are called to grow. It talks about in John chapter 15 how we are connected to the vine. And out of that place that we would grow and that we would be fruitful, that we would flourish in our life. In the first week, Clive talked about the idea of fruitfulness and how we are called to sprout and we are called to grow. The second week, I talked about faith and the idea that our faith can be enlarged. And when we understand that we are called to live in an environment of faith where faith becomes our default, we are people of faith. The Bible says we walk by faith and not by sight. And this morning, I want to speak about family. So I've entitled the message this morning, We Are Family. Turn to the person next to you and say, We Are Family. We are family. The idea is this, that God designed every one of us to grow up in family. He placed us in family so that we would grow and so that we would flourish. Actually, family is God's idea. It's not just society's idea. It was instituted by God. And it's no little wonder that today family is under assault in the context and culture of today's society. We see so many breakdowns in families where relationships and things start to happen where we see people that are really hurt because their foundation of family is broken down. I'm sure that in this room today, many of us have experienced that and the pain and the hurt that causes us when family starts to break down. But the idea is that every one of us are called to be part of family. We aren't just a church that's gathered here today as a corporate kind of body. We are a family. We're called to do life together. I love in John chapter 15 talking about the key passage that we've been speaking out of over this series. It says in verse 5 in the Passion Translation, I am the sprouting vine, Jesus speaking, and you're my branches. As you live in union with me as your source, fruitfulness will stream from within you. But when you live separated from me, you are powerless. If a person is separated from me, he is discarded. Such branches are gathered up and thrown into the fire to be burned. But if you live in life union with me, and if my words live powerfully within you, then you can ask whatever you desire, and it will be done. When your lives bear abundant fruit, you demonstrate that you are my mature disciples who glorify my Father. Therefore, maturity equals bearing fruit. When we think about our lives, it's not just about faithfulness, but it's about fruitfulness. 
Verse 9 says, I love each one of you with the same love that the Father loves me. You must continually let my love nourish your hearts. If you keep my commands, you will live in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands. For I continually live nourished and empowered by his love. My purpose for telling you these things is so that that joy that I experience will fill your hearts with overflowing gladness. And then verse 12 says this, so this is my command, love each other deeply as much as I have loved you. Jesus explains it all, this whole idea that we're called to be connected with him, that we're called to live fruitful lives, and then kind of ends that segment by saying, we need to love each other. That's what we're called to do. Jesus says to love him, to love each other. That's the calling of us as a disciple, that we would understand the importance of relationship. Relationship isn't just some kind of nice idea. It's what we are called to do as disciples of Jesus Christ. Not just to come and play church. Not just to come and do a religious ceremony. Not just to have an understanding about Jesus Christ, but to have genuine, authentic relationship with Him. Not just to have a family where we just kind of know each other and we know information about each other and that we come and we see each other and have surface level conversations on a Sunday, but that we would know each other like family. Because this isn't a corporation that we are gathering together today. It isn't just a group of people that are members. Today we gather as family and we do life together. I love that description of family in the Bible. You know that the the whole concept of church, when we look through the Bible and we see some of the, the names of the church and what it's known as in the Bible, there's so many different names as the bride of Christ. There's different descriptions of the church. The bride of Christ, the body, the light of Christ, the chosen ones, the faithful, the disciples, soldiers of God, citizens of heaven, the flock, heirs of God, friends of God, followers of God, servants of God, saints, a holy city, the redeemed, living stones, members of Christ. But some of my favorites are these, children of God, the household of faith, and the family of God. We talked about this year how the whole concept and the idea and the theme of this year would be welcome home. That we aren't just kind of like a house that doesn't have any kind of feeling in it. You know, you can go to so many different houses and experience nice houses, but there's a difference when it feels like it's a home. When there's that sense of love in the home, when there's that sense of connection, there's that shared experience where you gather around the table together and there's a sense of family. We wanted this to be a place where people would feel welcomed home. That you could come in here from all kind of walks of life. That you could come in here from a faith background or a non-faith background. You could come into this place and you could feel at home. You could feel there's a sense of family, that people would welcome you home. I love Andy Stanley. He said it this way, the church is a family expecting guests. And that's how we should see it on a Sunday, that we are a family gathering together and we do life together and we're made to grow together in family. We, we start this relationship with Jesus Christ and we start this journey of knowing and this adventure of knowing Jesus. And it's not so that we should just live in isolation by ourselves, but our greatest growth happens together. Do you know that the gifts that God has given us are for each other? 
They're for serving other people. They're not actually for ourselves. They're not to glorify ourselves or make ourselves look better. They're to edify the family. They're to edify those that would come in, that would build up the church and encourage other people to experience Jesus Christ. So our gifts can't work and can't function in isolation. They are made and they are designed to be a gift to the body of Christ, to each other. So when we gather together as family, we have this understanding that it's not about me, but it's about others. We start to look out for others. We start to think about from people from another point of view instead of just ourselves and our own selfish motives. We are family. We shouldn't see ourselves as a bunch of strangers that come together on a Sunday. You know, you've got some families, there's a few of the weird people in the family as well. And I don't know whether you're one of them here today. And we kind of gather together and it's just these awkward family occasions where we have to come together at like Christmas time, where there's just like this weird auntie here and there's this family that's clicky over here and they all kind of come together and there's this awkward time at Christmas where it's like we are forced to be here because it's a special occasion. Family shouldn't be like that. Church shouldn't be like that. Church should be a place where we are relaxed. It's like the world's biggest lounge room where we can just come together and enjoy life. We hear about our Heavenly Father. We talk about Him. We're built up and we're encouraged. We are just doing life together. We're not a whole bunch of superstars in this place. We're a whole bunch of sinners, faulty, failing. We've got our own fears and insecurities just like everybody else, but we come together. What makes us different is the grace of Jesus Christ that we have experienced. I'm no better than anybody else. Sometimes I think about the 5, 10, 15, 20, 30, 100, 200, 300, thousands of people that should be on this platform instead of me. Because I can disqualify myself because I remind myself of all of my own failures, all of my own fears, all the things that, I, that I'm not good enough. But that's the thing about family. When you have a loving, secure, strong family, you can come and you can fail in family. You can be fearful in family because family embraces you. Family comes alongside of you. Family, family loves you at your worst. Family cares for you. Family sees the best in you. And that's who we are. I hope in this place that we come in to church on a Sunday and we might, might have come in from being beat up from a horrible week, but we come into this place and enough people encourage us, enough people get around us that we leave this place feeling like a million dollars. We leave this place with our, with our heads up. We leave this place understanding we can go out into our week again because I'm built up and I'm encouraged. That's how family does. We feel the most confident. We feel the most relaxed in family. Have you ever been to awkward social events or social occasions and you get home and you just feel so great just getting home and just sitting on your lounge? It's got your imprint on it. Picking up your TV remote and gathering around and your family's there. Going to your pantry and getting food out of the cupboard and sitting there with your family. You don't feel like you have to talk. You don't feel like you have to impress. You just feel relaxed. Because you're at home and it's just family. And I want our church to feel like that. Not that people come in here and feel uncomfortable and awkward. I want people to feel so relaxed because this is family. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 18. This is our key text today. It says, And now because we are united to Christ, we both have equal and direct access in the realm of the Holy Spirit to come before the Father. I love that. Equal and direct. There's no favorites. There's no one that's above anybody else. And we have direct access. You don't have to come through the pastor. Praise God. You don't have to come through the team or the pastoral team. You don't have to come through anybody else. You can go direct to God. 
He's not disappointed in you. He's not angry at you. He's not frustrated at you. He's looking at you with loving arms. Some of that kind of perception that the world can have can get on us. We think we're not good enough to connect with God. We think we can't have direct access with God. It's been too long since I've prayed. It's been too long since I've connected with him. He's waiting with open arms. He is a loving father. He is a gracious father. In verse 19, it says, You are not foreigners or guests, but rather you are the children of the city of the holy ones, with all the rights as family members of the household of God. That means you walk around differently. You walk around with a confidence. Imagine if you were the family of the president or the prime minister or someone in some kind of like elite authority. There would be a way that you walk around the lodge. There would be a way that you walk around the White House knowing, hey, I'm meant to be here. I'm family. This is where I belong. There would be a confidence. When you stepped into a room, there would be an acknowledgement of who you are. It's the same as believers in Jesus Christ. We walk around with the confidence of knowing the grace of God has saved us. It's not by my own good works. It's not because I'm better than anybody else. It's completely because of the grace of Jesus Christ that I can stand here. It's completely because of the grace of Jesus Christ that I am saved and redeemed. That is the truth. Verse 20 says, You are rising like the perfectly fitted stones of the temple. And your lives are being built up together upon the ideal foundation, laid by the apostles and prophets. And best of all, you are connected to the head cornerstone of the building, the anointed one, Jesus Christ himself. This entire building is under construction and is continually growing under his supervision until it rises up completed as the holy temple of the Lord himself. This means that God is transforming each one of you into his holy of holies, his dwelling dwelling place through the power of the Holy Spirit living in you. We're not talking about the building today. We're talking about you and me, who are referred to as living stones, that we are connected together. You know what, if if we had this building and we renovated it and it was the most spectacular building but it had no people in it, what value would this building be? This building is not the church. You are the church. Together, we are the church. We are the family of God. We decide the atmosphere in this place. We decide the sense of family. This is not just a house. This is a home. And it's you and I that make this place a home. It's us serving together, trusting each other and loving each other, building each other up, bringing our gifts and our talents and our resources, bringing what we have, loving people, showing grace, showing God's goodness to each other, that together we create this sense of family. I love that we talked about mountains care this morning because we can transfer what's happening in here into our community. This sense of love and God's grace, we can take out and say, you know what, there is something different about these people. And I love that thought. So three ways God has established family or God has established church family. The first one's this. Number one, family is built on a foundation of love. Going back to this text, it says, so you are not foreigners or guests, but rather you are the children of the city of the holy ones with all the rights as family members of the household of God. God laid the foundation And the foundation was the cross of Jesus Christ. That his love and his grace was poured out for every one of us so that the foundation of what the church and how the church started would be God's love for us. God's love for the church. 
you and I, that he loves us, that he cares for us greater than anything else. You are treasured. You are valuable. God loves you as you are right now. Oftentimes in today's society, we see all the things that are wrong with us. If we could only have heaven's perspective of how he sees us, we would walk differently. We would speak differently about ourselves. We would speak differently about each other because we would understand the value, the weight that Jesus went to the cross for you, for me. The weight of that decision that he loved us that much. That's some kind of crazy grace. I think about a natural family. The foundation of a natural family is love. You know, it's this kind of, it starts with this dating relationship. Amy looked across the room to me with those puppy dog eyes. She was instantly in love. It was love at first sight for her. The relationship started to form. We went on dates. We got to know each other. We started to spend time more and more and more time together. And that was the foundation of the relationship, the foundation of a family that was starting. I'll let Patricia Wirakun tell you a little bit more about how that happens. <laughs> if you missed our Connections Conference, she's a sexologist and she'll be able to tell you all the details about how family is formed. But what I'm telling you today is it starts with love. It starts with that sense of love. That is the foundation of family. And when it comes to this church, it's not about duty. You don't have to come and do anything. You don't have to give. You don't have to serve. You don't have to do anything. You just have to show up and the foundation of this place is love. You are accepted as you are. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to jump through any hoops. You don't have to dress a certain way. You don't have to behave well. You don't have to do any of those things. You are just accepted and loved in this place as you are. We are family. As soon as you walk in these doors, you're family. As soon as we connect with you, you are family. As you are, you're not trying to impress anybody. You are accepted because the foundation of this place is love. It was set by a heavenly father. He said, you know what? That's what it's going to be about. Loving God and loving people. That's what the church is about. What's success for the church? Us doing those two things. Us loving and understanding the truth of that. That is the starting point. I love in Romans 8 verse 15. It says, and you did not receive the spirit of religious duty, leading you back into the fear of never being good enough. But you have received the spirit of full acceptance, enfolding you into the family of God. And you will never feel orphaned. For as he rises up within us, our spirits join him in saying the words of tender affection, beloved father, your greatest achievement on earth will be being a son or a daughter of God. Nothing else will trump that. Your achievements, your trophies, your work success, anything else that you try and accumulate in your life, your riches, your wealth, nothing will ever trump or be greater than being a son or a daughter of our Heavenly Father. That is the greatest thing you will ever achieve in this life. So we keep trying to get acceptance. We keep trying to get to the next thing. And once I get to here, then I'll be happy. At this point, I'll be happy in my life. We jump on this hamster wheel trying to chase something that we've already received. We already have God's love. He's full love as we are. He's not even waiting for us to get to a certain level of behavior or certain level of being so good before he loves us. He just loves us as we are. 
You know, when my two kids were born, as soon as they arrived, I loved them. They'd done no good thing. That caused my wife pain for nine months, caused her to be sick, caused her to, to, to not be well. They come out, which was a painful experience. And then they came out and they weren't putting their best foot forward because they were both screaming. They're just, they're not looking their best. And they just arrived into this world. But what did I feel? I just felt love for them immediately. They'd done nothing good. They'd done nothing that would earn my approval, but I just love them. That's just like us when we get saved. It's just like us when we are born again, as the Bible talks about. When we start relationship with Jesus, at that immediate point, God loves us. God loved us even before we made that decision. He just loves us as we are. You know, think about when it comes to a child, we do so much preparation around the house. We start to prepare the cot. We start to buy clothes. We get nappies. We get bottles. We get all of these things sorted out for when this baby will arrive. There's this sense of excitement. We're painting rooms. We're getting things sorted out. So many things are happening in the place because we're getting prepared for a child. And here's the thing about it. We don't think, oh, this is just a duty that I've got to do. Because the foundation of it is love. My little daughter's just shouting me down right now. The foundation is love. It's not like I have to build this cot. I have to buy clothes. I have to do this. It's a sense of this is so exciting. You know the feeling where it's like, yeah, this baby is coming in the next few months. I'm so excited. This is an exciting moment in my life because the foundation of it is love. And what I'm saying this morning is when it comes to this church and serving and sacrificing and the different things that we do to make church happen on a Sunday and through the week and all the things we do to to serve God in this way, let's not have a mindset that we have to do this or we have to do this because the foundation is love. Let's not forget our first love. Let's not forget why we are here. Let's not forget that it's all about relationship. I would hate for you to be serving so hard, but just have a cold relationship with God. I would hate for you to be serving everybody else, but not love your spouse. I want us to understand what life's truly about. Love. Love is the foundation, and we serve out of that place. We do all that we do, not because we're trying to earn any kind of approval or get brownie points with God. We do all that we're doing because the foundation was set, and that foundation is love. I love 1 John 3 verse 1. It says, look with wonder at the depth of the Father's marvelous love that he has lavished on us. He has called us and made us his very own beloved children. God is the head of the church and we're called to love each other. The second thing is this, family is where we flourish the most. Ephesians 2 verse 21 says, this entire building is under construction and is continually growing under his supervision. Until it rises up, completed as the holy temple of the Lord himself. We are made to function and to flourish in family, not isolation. You know, how long would your faith in Jesus exist if you were put in a remote place and there was nobody else there around you to encourage you, to to see the gifts of the Spirit being outworked in your life, to be able to have a moment where you can connect and have fellowship, where you can have conversations and talk to people and be encouraged in your faith. I think that we grow best in family. I think that's why it's God's idea that we grow in family. Imagine if a child was born and they just lived by themselves immediately. 
It's not going to be very long before they're going to be malnourished. It's not going to be very long before they don't have someone there to be able to love. And talked about how just even just that affection of just being able to hold a baby can have such a huge impact on a child's well-being. And I think about that when it comes to church family. We shouldn't try and live isolated. Let's live together. Let's understand that we grow best together when we bring our lives together. There's a sense of family and community that happens. I remember when Georgia was born. She was born four weeks early, and she spent eight days in special care. A little girl, she's now one years old. She's just over here to my left. And, and here she was. She'd arrived early, and she got straight away taken to this special care ward. And she was in there, and she had all these things kind of um, strapped up to her. I believe we've got a picture of her, actually. I'll put it up on the screens. And uh, all these things kind of like strapped in, all, all these tubes coming out of all this kind of stuff and she was getting fed through a feeding tube and all those kind of things as well and it was just this separation between us and you kind of have this baby and you kind of expect that they're going to be in the ward with you that you're going to be able to hug them and hold them and do all those things well for eight days that wasn't the case there was this separation she was in there we were in another room it was kind of a really weird experience amy's still recovering on the ward but then her baby is in this other room, getting looked after by a stranger. And it was this weird kind of disconnect. And you know, the truth is that the only real progress that Georgia started to have is when we started to say, come on, enough is enough. We need to be able to connect with this child, bring her back into the room. And then she started to put on weight. She started to grow and do all the things that they wanted her to do because that bond of connection with her mom was there. It was kind of crazy to think that for that long there was this separation, but as soon as that happened, this incredible progress started to happen. And it kind of reminds me of the thought that we are called to flourish in family. We grow best in family together. That we're not meant to do life alone. There's not meant to be isolation. We're meant to do it together. Here's the thing about family. When a child is born, all the generations come to celebrate that child grandparents they come in you see parents that are gathered around you see cousins you see all of these people you see little kids they come into the hospital room or they come around to the house every generation comes to welcome this child and i think about that when someone gets born again it's not one generation a family is made up of all the generations i know what it's like to have a generation that's missing both of my parents have passed away and there is a gap there And I never want to be a church where there is a generation missing. I want us to understand that all generations are called to welcome people home. It doesn't matter whether you're older or younger or in between. It does not matter. We are all called to say, welcome home. This is family. Come as you are. And we are all here. All generations are represented. We need the mums and dads. We need the grandparents. We need the young kids. We want all generations in this church. We're not a young church. We're not an old church. We are just a church. We are a family of every generation gathering together. And we need you. Something powerful about when a grandparent comes up and they pick up their grandchild. And it's just a beautiful moment. And they're just welcoming them to this world. Just like every generation, we need you. We need that sense of family together as we do life together. Family is where we flourish. See, as I said before, you can fail in family. You can mess up in family. You can bring your fears to family. You can bring your worst to family. But you're still accepted. 
and you're still loved just the way that you are. And you know, the other thing with families, you don't have to fake with family. You don't have to come in here on a Sunday or through the week and talk to people and you've got to try and make your life sound so much better than what it really is. You've got to make your spiritual life sound so much better like you've just come in, brother, from just spending an hour in prayer and you're just, you know, just saying, praise God if you have. But you don't have to try and put it on. You don't have to try and look better than you are. You don't have to dress better than you are. You don't have to try and be someone else. You can just be yourself. I love in family how we just accept reality. We got Santa photos over this last week. And um, I can't believe we're already getting Santa photos. But as we're there getting Santa photos, there's a picture we'll put up on the screen. Our our first photo, this (laughs) this is the reality of Santa photos. Georgia wasn't a great fan of Santa. And so this is like the first photo that was taken. This is real life. This is family. She brought her worst to the table this day. She wasn't happy to see Santa, and so Santa was there trying to embrace it. Cooper's like trying to embrace it. They're both like, she's screaming. It's awkward. There's crowds around. She's there. It's like, come on, please, just in this two-minute window, put a smile on your face. Look your best. You know, like, just fake it for a moment, Georgia. Come on. Like, let's just do it. Let's just show up fake reality here. But that's what we got. And so the next photo has come about by... Santa hiding behind the backboard and then just appearing for the photo. It's come about by two parents standing behind the camera person singing Baby Shark and doing the actions. (laughs) Holding up a phone with the wiggles on it. I've got big clown glasses on at the time. We're dancing around like crazy people behind it to get this real family photo. Because we're just this beautiful family that there's never any problems in it. We never fight, we never cry, we're never upset. That's just not real. We want to put our highlights real on social media and look like we're just this cookie-cutter Christian and everything's perfect, but that is not real life. Family is a mess at times. Family fails at times. Family can be painful at times. Family is a combination of all of those things, but family is beautiful. So you don't have to try and be anyone else. You don't have to be the first photo. Where you come, oh, sorry, the second photo where you come in and it's perfect. You can be the first. You can be just like Georgia and life is not good right now. <laughs> and it's okay because we are family and family loves the journey together. And I love that we can be that together. We can be family and we can flourish even in our worst moments. I love in Proverbs 14 verse 11 it says, The household of the wicked is soon torn apart, while the family of the righteous flourishes. It says in Psalm 92, those who are planted in the Lord and in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. We are made to flourish together. If you want to flourish in your faith, if you want to flourish in your gifting, if you want to flourish in your family personally, if you want to flourish in your life, then let me encourage you to be planted in the house of God. Let me encourage you to be part of the family to lean in and be part of doing this journey together. And finally this morning, the third and final thing is this. Family has no favorites. Family has no favorites. No one is better than anybody else in this room because of your title, because of your middle name, because of anything that you have. No one is greater than anybody else. Family is doing life together. I said the middle name because I have a brother-in-law that's now joined our church. And we are, our names are Benjamin James, both of us. 
but here's the reality of it. He actually never got on his birth certificate his middle name, James. And so, although he's been known for many years as Benjamin James, he's only found out in recent years that he actually isn't officially Benjamin James. And so I always remind him that he wasn't loved enough to get a middle name like me. (laughs) And so we have this running rivalry in our family that I am loved enough to have a middle name. And so I just call him Ben. And uh, I always refer to myself as Benjamin James whenever I enter the room, whenever I talk to him. But I hate to admit it, but I'm actually not better than him. As tough as that is. We might delete this off the podcast, but we're just family. And we're doing life together. I'm not better than him. He's not better than me. I know that's hard for him to take. We're just family doing life together. And that's the same when it comes to this family as the church. No one is better than anybody else because you're on the platform or because you're not, because you do something that's seen by others or because you do something that's unseen. You're not better or worse than anybody else. You are the same. We are the same before God. I was thinking about this thought through the week. Before God, Ben Sattler is the same as Mother Teresa. (laughs) There's some shocked faces in the crowd this morning. (laughs) Ben Sattler is the same as Brian Houston. Pick any other person that you look up to and that you love. God loves me the same as them. I haven't achieved diddly squat. I haven't achieved nowhere near what they have achieved. But it's not based on my achievements. It's based on God's love and His goodness. And so you can look at all these other people that you think are just great people, but God thinks you're great. He's not looking over your shoulder, looking for somebody else that's better than you because you're just the same as them. We are all equal and there are no favorites. It's the same God that we serve. So let's start to be inspired by that thought and believe for the miracles that other people that have inspired us have achieved in their life because God sees them the same way as he sees us. What a thought that you're in the same category as Mother Teresa, that you're in the same category as any kind of person that you look up to. God sees you the same. I'll tell you what, if we could really capture that thought, we would walk out of this place differently today. Going, you know what? I've got a newfound confidence because I'm just as good as anybody else. I'm not better or worse. You know, the world that we live in today is a comparison world. The world that we live in today, it's like, look at their house. Look at my house. Look at their car. Look at my car. Look at their family. Oh, my family's pretty good. <laughs> we compare. We can go on social media. We can see what somebody else is having for dinner that night. We can see their beautiful Santa photos. And why is my daughter crying in mine? We can see their beautiful lawns that seem so green and so nice. And they've done it from this beautiful angle. We can see everything else and we can find ourselves comparing. But God doesn't want us to do that. Because we are all God's favorites. God loves us just the way that we are. I've got to show you a clip this morning because when my little girl Georgia was born, I've got a little boy Cooper who's older. I think I've showed this before, but he started to have this reaction as Georgia was in the hospital and he started to realize that there was some attention that was being taken away from Prince Cooper. (laughs) And he's like, what's going on here? Why am I not the top dog in this house? Why is not everyone just kind of doing what I ask as I click my fingers? It just seems like something's shifted here. 
And so then he starts asking me the question, who do you love the most? Have a look on on this video. My person. Who do I do like the best? Out of who? Who do you like the best? Out of you and mummy. No, no, like both of them. Like just one person. I like Koopy and mummy. No, 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 I like mummy. <laughs> who do you like? Who do you like mummy or Koopy? I like Koopy and mummy. No, no, not Koopy and mummy. Like not two. Like, like. Just one person. I love you both. No, no, just one person. Both of you. No, no, just one person you love. I love you both. No, cause, cause you love, cause you love me or mommy. I love you both. No, no, do you love me or mommy? I love you both. No, do. That went on for hours. It went on for days. I've had to cut it short. But that's what he started to get worried about. Who's the favorite here? Why is this attention kind of being shifted? Why does this person seem to have more attention than me? And it started to kind of create this sense of comparison, even inside a three-year-old. How much more can we find ourselves comparing with each other? We look at our lives and we think, wow, I wish I had their relationship with God. I wish I had their family. I wish things were like the cards had fallen my way like they've fallen for them. I wish I had their resources and their house. We can find ourselves comparing so much. But God loves us the way we are. I love there's this great story in James chapter 2. I haven't got time to go there where it talks about how we should treat people the same. If someone comes into a church meeting that looks poor, that looks like they don't have food to eat or clothing or any of those kind of things, we shouldn't just kind of put them up the back. We should treat them the same as the celebrity. We should treat them the same as the person that is wearing the most expensive suit that seems to have it all together. We shouldn't have a sense of favoritism between each other. And I hope as a church, we would never have that. There's not cliques. There's not a sense of exclusiveness. There's a sense of we are all included. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how you've come into this place. Come as you are because you are welcome here. There's always another seat at the table. There's always room for more because we are family. We gather around the meal table together and we celebrate on, in services on a Sunday. But we don't just celebrate as strangers and just people coming together just to fulfill a commitment. We come together as family. And that's what makes us strong. And that's what makes us different. It says in the Bible that the world would know us for our love for one another. And I know this is one of the most loving places you can be. Because I've experienced it. I've experienced family in this place. And I know you have too. But here's the thing. We've got to open this up for other people to come. We've got to set an extra seat there that's for the rest of the community. For other people that would come and find hope here. Who would find answers. That they would feel not condemned, not ashamed. But they would feel like there is an open arms embrace. That they are welcomed just as they are. Because God's grace is enough for them. I love Bob Goff. He said it this way. God isn't an editor. He's a creator. He's not looking for the typos in our lives. He sees the beauty in them. And do we see the beauty in our community? 
in our friends at work, in our school friends, in our colleagues, in those people that we are around, do we see the beauty in them and love them where they're at right now? Or do we at times kind of draw back and are shocked by their behavior instead of understanding we're not perfect either? We don't have it all together like anybody else. If the team want to come, I'm about to close. Romans 2 verse 11 says, For God does not show favoritism. So family has a foundation of love. Family is where we flourish the most. And family has no favorites. And you are part of this family. From from wherever you've come, whatever age you are, whatever background you've got, whatever color of skin, whatever kind of behavior you've kind of shown, you're welcome as part of this family. This would just be a building. It would just be a house without you and me. Understanding that we have a responsibility to make this place feel like home. To make this a place where people can experience God's love. People already have a barrier up of what they think church is like. They already have a barrier up of what they think God is like. They don't need us adding a weight to it of expectation, adding a weight to it of you're not good enough, but adding a weight to it of what about that? What they need from us is for us to love them where they're at. And so you're included in this place. You're loved just like I am. You don't have to measure up before God will love you. God's grace is ready for you right now. Let's live from that place. Romans 8 verse 15 as we close. And you did not receive the spirit of religious duty, leading you back into the fear of never being good enough but you have received the spirit of full acceptance enfolding you into the family of God and you will never feel orphaned for as he rises up within us our spirits join him in saying the words of tender affection beloved father beloved father this morning I pray that every one of us would have an understanding of how much you love us How high, how wide, how great is your love for every one of us. That you're not looking at us and feeling disappointed or feeling let down or feeling frustrated by our behavior. But Lord, you look at us and you just love us completely. I thank you that you don't look past us, Lord God, to somebody else and a better candidate, Lord. But you look at us as somebody that is worthy of your grace. To be a recipient of God's grace. Lord, I pray that today that we would foster a sense of community in this place, in this house, here in Mount Riverview and here in Lawson, Lord God, and wherever else you call us to go. That we would create a sense of family, that we wouldn't just do corporate church. We wouldn't just be about coming together and going through a whole bunch of motions and structures, Lord God. But I pray at the heart of all that we do, we would understand we are family and we would love each other that way. Look past each other's faults and seeing the best on the inside of us, Lord. And I pray, Lord God, that our community would know us by our love for one another. That as we go out and do things in our community and talk to people, Lord, that there would be a difference and a change in us, Lord God, that people would see and they would identify there is something different about you. And I pray that you would draw them home, Holy Spirit. That you would do the heavy lifting, Lord God, of bringing people home to this house. We pray for souls, Lord Jesus. We pray for new people, Lord God. People that never experienced you, Lord God. Friends and family that we know that are far from you, Lord God, bring them home. 
bring them home. Lord, we promise to be just like the prodigal, that our arms would be open and we would welcome them home. We wouldn't make them jump through hoops, Lord God, but your grace, Lord God, would draw them to yourself. And let us get out of the way, our preconceived ideas, our judgments, let them drop to the ground. Let us put down our stones and let us see people with your eyes and your love and your grace. Let us see ourselves that way. In your mighty name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. No, I don't want to finish this morning without praying the sinner's prayer. We pray the sinner's prayer because we're a family foremost because we are connected with our heavenly father. And there's something about peace with God that changes everything. You may have a lot of things going on in your life, but the most important thing is your relationship with God. And that can sometimes become the last thing that we focus on instead of the most important thing. And so today you may have come off course a bit and I want to encourage you to correct that by reconnecting with your Heavenly Father today. Perhaps you've never had a relationship with Him, but today is an opportunity for you to connect with Him and to change everything. And so I'm going to ask everyone to stand with me this morning. I'm going to pray a prayer. I'm going to ask you to repeat it after me. The Bible says, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you shall be saved. As we pray this this morning, I want you to pray this with me. If your heart's connecting with this prayer, I want you to pray this with me and let's connect with our Heavenly Father. Dear Lord Jesus, today I give you my life. For my sins, I'm sorry. I want to connect with you today. I want to receive your forgiveness. I want to receive your love. I want to live for you. Help me each day to grow closer to you and live for you as you've called me to live. In your mighty name, Jesus. Amen. 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 Fantastic. We're going to finish with a song this morning. We're going to finish this morning with elevating our Heavenly Father. It's why we gather on a Sunday. It's not for any kind of performance. It's not for any kind of thing that we can put on. We gather around one name, the name of Jesus Christ. We gather to glorify our Heavenly Father. And let's do it as we finish the service this morning. We are family because He is our Heavenly Father.